Good morning, everyone. I've been asked to read this morning <clears throat> from Ephesians chapter 3. <clears throat> Excuse me. And it is Paul's prayer for our spiritual growth. But I would like to read a line, a verse before, so that the first, so that verse 14 makes sense. Before in verse 12, we read, because of Christ and our faith in him, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. So please, Paul writes, don't lose heart because of my trials here. Paul continues, when I think of all this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious unlimited treasures, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now all glory to God, who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus, through all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Hi, everyone. Thanks. I like the response. Makes me feel more comfortable. Um, hey, it really is great to be here. Thanks for having me. Sorry if you didn't have a say in it. But I am here. Um, so I've heard that you guys have been looking at Ephesians. And apparently you've probably read 1, 2, 3, and 4 very recently. Is that right? If you haven't, he sees you. No. <laughs> so I read through 1, 2, 3, and 4 just to kind of just try and keep up with where you are and, and feel that same thing of going through the scriptures. Um, and so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a focus of a theme from from Ephesians 1, 2, 3, and 4, which I think sticks out, actually. Um, and for me, I actually have this talk 
that I don't think I will ever say it's finished. I think that's the point. I have a talk about love that I genuinely try and rewrite multiple times a year, every year. And it just grows and builds. And if I see something that teaches me about love, I'll go to this note, different notes in my phone and I'll, I'll write them in and be like, oh, I've learned something new about love there. And I'm trying to understand love. I'm trying to get it, you know, because I feel like with things like love, it, it can be this kind of abstract idea. But I, I really believe that actually when you look inside of something, you can find the nuts and bolts that make it what it is. And then you could have a greater understanding of how to be loving or what is love and who is love. And it will grow our understanding of God. Does that make sense? Is that all right? Okay, so I'm going to give you my unfinished version of this, this talk. And we'll go through it together. Um, and I loved the end there. I don't mean, it read very well. It was very good reading. Better than I could have done it. Um, but may you experience the love of Christ though it is too great to understand fully. So there's my premise of no one's got a fully formed talk of love. It doesn't exist. You know? In the chapter of love, 1 Corinthians 13, it says, now we see in a mirror dimly, but then, but then, we'll see clearly. And here it says, the height, width, breadth of his love, how big and great it is, how far reaching, how deep it goes, the understanding around love. Okay, here's my premise, and here's what I'm bringing to you, and you can critique it, receive it, change it, come and add to it later, and tell me what you think. This is my premise. I think that love has two key main facets to it. This is my premise. And I'm going to just give you a singular word for each of those premises, which at first you'll be like, what? what? Um, but I'll try and show you why I think that. And you might have something to add, and that's great. And then I'll try and say how I think this affects your life and your relationships, all sorts of different types of relationships. And how by knowing these two things, which are what I believe the building blocks of love, you might just get better at loving and receiving love yourself. And that is between you and God and you and other people. Deal? Deal. Okay. Here's my two words. Here's my two premises. I believe the two building blocks of love are no and mine. No and mine. You got me? Great. Let's start there. When I'm reading the Bible, and trying to know God, I am trying to get to the most pure form of truth. Yeah? I'm trying to get right down to the bones of it. And I believe no and mine are right down to the bones of it. Okay, so no. Let me give you my premise for no. Let me just give you a few Bible verses, things that might trigger your memory of how important to know is. So first of all, I'll start here. Um, John 3.16 for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but receive everlasting life. We know the verse. If you go to John 17, verse 3, it says eternal life or everlasting life is this, to know the Father and the Son whom he sent. Do you remember that verse? Not as famous as John 3, 16, but what a powerful verse. It actually tells you what eternal life is from God's point of view. It is to know the Father 
and the Son. So you could read John 3.16 like this. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever might believe in him would not perish but would know the Father and the Son whom he sent. Does that make sense to you why I've done that? Can you see the link there? Now eternal life is becoming more than just endlessness, but it has a bit more purpose behind it. And he's put that in John 17. How important is knowing God? It seems to be very important. We've got the parable of the the virgins. Can we have some of your oil? What's that talking about? I'm not going to go in there today. But let me just take that and take you to Matthew 7. So in Matthew 7, he says, some people come to him. They're like, we were prophesying. We were praying in tongues. We did all these good works. Yeah, but I never knew you. I never knew you. That was the point, to know God. In Jeremiah 31, it talks about the new covenant. And it explains why this thing happened, why Jesus happened, why this death on the cross, this child being born happened. And he said, I want to make a new covenant with you. And the point was this, so that everyone would know me from the least of them to the greatest he wants us to know him are you following me still i'll keep going a little longer let's go new testament example again in the epistles we've got philippians 3 8 and paul says i count everything loss in comparison to knowing christ and one john Four, seven. I'm going to read this one a bit more, a bit more exactly. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. No. Do you know God? Have I sold you on that? It's up to you. But that's me. That's no. Let's move on to mine, okay? And then we'll start building something from there. So for mine, let me give you some verses. Famous one, Song of Songs. I am my beloved and he is mine. Do you remember that one? Quite a famous one in Song of Songs. Ezekiel, this is a Ezekiel. He's an unusual fellow, isn't he? Like if you met him, he would have been unusual. I love it. I like unusual people sometimes. And this is what he wrote. It is an unusual, unusual one, but let's go with it. So we've got Ezekiel 16, verse 8. God says, And when I passed by again, I saw that you were old enough for love. So I wrapped my cloak around you to cover your nakedness and declared my marriage vows. I made a covenant with you, says the sovereign Lord, and you became mine. Oh, what a great verse that is. That's a good verse. Good chapter. That's Ezekiel 16. Isaiah 43. Let's read that one. But now, O Jacob, listen to the Lord who created you. O Israel, the one who formed you. He says, do not be afraid, for I have ransomed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. You are mine. Little little free one there before I just go on a little bit longer do you notice it It says I have called you by name you are mine if you call someone by name you need to know them don't you he knows you and he's made you his 
That's love. Here's my premise. And the last one, Jesus says, kind of a bit possessiony, and I just thought I'd put this in John 18, verse 9, because there's a little bit of extra in this. And he says, I haven't lost any of those that the Father has given me. I haven't lost any. There's this possession kind of thing, this kind of like, I've made you mine. He does say, but I, except for one, except for one did get lost in that example. Okay. So Noah mine. Are you following me so far? I'll stop there on making my point on that. And let me just talk a little bit about life. So we have different types of relationships. I'm going to focus on three. We've got like romantic relationships. We've got friendship relationships. And then we've got our God relationship. Okay? Um, And actually, I think that love consists of an a never-ending circle of known mind playing against each other continuously, moving towards a greater level of love between you and another personal entity or whoever that is. Okay? So, let's think about it. Romantic love. Okay. Here's the deal. You kind of, you like someone, and you kind of, you want to get them, maybe. Or do you? I don't know if I do. I might find someone I don't like. And I don't want to make them mine. Oh, I really like that about you. I really want to make you mine. Well, now I've come on too strong. You don't want me to be yours because you think I'm coming on too strong. You've got to know me. You think I'm a bit too forward. Yeah, but no, I've pulled back now, and now you want me to come closer again. Yeah? That kind of wrestle of knowing mine is scary. It's really scary. And this can link with how we go with God, actually, a little bit. We can play that game with him. And there's that scary thing of revealing yourself to someone, letting them know parts of yourself, and you think, oh. And you don't realize you're saying it, but you're like, well, they still want me to be theirs after I let them know this. You know? Well, they still want me to be, well, they still make me theirs. So we have this backwards and forwards. And there's pros and cons in this, because... I think some people can go one way and some people can go the other. So some people can then go, well, I need to go really slow and they need to, I need to not reveal too much of myself. And then you get other people that go the other way and they're like, if, it's really, if we're really being loving, we should just open ourselves up completely as quickly as possible and reveal all really, really quickly and just get rid of all boundaries. Which one do you think is right? That's a hard, hard one because you think, well, it's love, so I should just let go. But then is that the rules of love? Is that how it actually works? I don't know. Does it? Has God revealed absolutely everything? Or do you need to seek him to kind of grab certain parts of him? Even though it's right there in front of you. It says it's the glory of God to conceal a matter, but the glory of kings to seek it out. And we're trying to seek him out, that mystery side of God. But then there's the other side of God where he is, I've revealed myself to you. Philip. How long have I been with you? If you've seen me, you have seen the Father. I want you to know me. I really do. So which one do you think it is? Do you think you should be quick to open up or slow to open up? But I don't think there is necessarily a right or wrong answer here. I think that both parts of that play a role. And if you overstep in either one, you might be missing a trick there. Let's, I'll just give some examples that I've, I've had in my life. So 
and, and then I'll try and talk about some romantic ones. I don't have any romantic examples, not very romantic. Um, I, should, I should get better. I need to know my wife more. Um, so let's take friendships. Okay, I have done this a lot. Has anyone else done this? So you... I'm not like this anymore, but I used to be someone that would say, oh, I'm really good friends with someone if I can break down all the boundaries really quickly. So I would just ask like crazy questions off the bat of meeting them. I'm quite confident, and I'll just be like, I'll just ask you stuff. I just do. And it, it scares people, I think, sometimes. It can scare them away. Why? Now, here's the point. I don't know their story. So let's say romantically, I come on too strong and too quickly. I don't know that they've just come out of something that was a little bit traumatic. So I've actually come on too strong, and that's not me loving them and knowing them. But I didn't know, but maybe I should have played the journey, because the journey is part of love. And that journey, I think, is the central part of whether you should go quickly or go slowly. The journey is part of it all. So you have that going on. I've done, oh yeah, I've done quite a few things there where I've done some really, oh man, I've done some bad things in, in boundary breaking. Um, <laughs> I don't know if I should tell you some of them actually. Um, let me have a, I had a list of like stories where I like messed it up. Um, okay, here's just a nice one. I always remember I had this friend called Simon uh, back where I, I, I'm from kind of Portsmouth way, so no one would know him. And um, he made friends with me and another lad called Jim. Uh, at a church there. It was a Baptist church, actually. And I always remember, we kind of been friends for like a month, but I don't know if you realize, but when you're a Christian and you meet another Christian, you go much quicker in the breaking boundaries section, don't you? You kind of skip forward three steps. You're like, you, you too, me too, yeah. You know, we're at work. Star prayer club, you know. <laughs> uh, there's that breaking forward. And I remember Simon, who, who wasn't a Christian, came into mine and Jim's friendship, and we kind of became a really great uh, group of three. And after a month, he said, guys, I have never experienced anything like this. He was like, what is going on? And we were like, what do you mean? He was like, I've never experienced this kind of open, close relationship and happening so quickly but so wholesomely at the same time. What? What's happening? And it dawned on me how we have such an advantage. Why do you have an advantage? I think sometimes we, we're talking a lot in the world about diversity and connecting with other cultures, races, etc., etc. I think one of our problems is that we don't understand someone's culture off the bat. Yeah? Whereas if you meet someone who's got the same background as you, without hearing their story, you know their story. Does that make sense? So you kind of have that shared knowing of each other, and you can break down those boundaries quicker, and you can even use the stories of shared experience to further break down those boundaries quicker. And if you don't have that, you have to have shared experience with someone to break down boundaries and know them more. So it puts you at a slower game, slower journey of moving forward in your love for one another. That makes sense of, of why that's difficult. Um, another, another story, this is a bit more of a... I, have interactions with lots of different people in my life, as you would have done. I remember having one friend that had come from uh, foster care, actually. And he, he found this particularly difficult, this concept. And we used to talk about this all the time. And what would happen was he would get worried that he would get rejected. And I think his background had kind of 
instilled that in him in whatever his story was, which I, I won't go into now. But I used to always have to reassure, no, I'm, we're good. I, we don't have, there's no problem. I'm fine with you. Yeah, but I'm worried that one day you'll reject me. So I'm, I'm, I don't want this anymore. I don't want to be friends. And I was like, wow, that's interesting. So I'm not rejecting you, but you're going to reject me out of the scaredness of me going to reject you, so you're rejecting me. Yeah, no, yes, I am, I'm not. You know, imagine that. And that was that solid platform of, you're mine, and I take you at your word. Your yes is your yes, and your no is no, I believe it, I'm your friend. It's solid. And if your platform isn't strong, you won't be able to believe it. And as you know each other more, you'll get more and more and more and more scared. So as you grow in love and knowing each other, you need to build a platform that can hold the knowing. Because knowing is a very scary thing. I've given a story from the Bible. Adam. Adam and Eve, you know, you could say they did the worst sin in theory, but it was just the beginning, you know, <laughs> you know and we all would have done it. I think it's profound that God, in the worst moment of humanity, reaches out for love. So Adam and Eve, they've done what they've done, and then it says Adam is hiding, doesn't want to be known. And then God says, Adam, where are you? Does God know where Adam is? He does. Why did he ask him? He's going on a journey of love. He's saying, will you let me know you in your worst moment? Because that will build a platform that says you're mine in all circumstances. That's amazing, isn't it? Knowing. Where are you? So I'll, I'll, I'll pretty much stop there. It's actually a very big conversation, that, and it could go on a very, very long time. Um, I guess I'll ask you some questions. I thought about it, you know, Baptist churches, Catholic churches, what the difference? It's like you go to a Baptist church, you get told three things that you need to have been doing. Go to a Catholic church, you're told three things you shouldn't have been doing. <laughs> I think 156 things a year to do from a Baptist church. I can't keep up. Always do three points, don't they? (laughs) So I'm not going to give you anything to do. Well, maybe. I've got three things. No. (laughs) Okay. So, who in your life do you need to reassure that they are yours? Who do you need to reassure? Could be a child. Could be a partner, could be a friend. It's up to you. I don't know. Who do you need in your life to let know? How do I phrase it? Who do you need to show more of yourself to? Is there someone that wants to know more of you, but you're hiding yourself a bit too much? Can you do something about it? Maybe you could call them, message them meet with someone open yourself up and another thing is is if you know them well you might know the best way to communicate that to that person 
because you know them and you know what will have the best result for them. Some people want to receive a letter. I think that's weird. I just like, just come and talk to me. But some people are scared of that and I need to know that. Who do you need to let know you more? But then also, who do you need to know more? Maybe there's someone out there that you've misunderstood, you've got a broken relationship with. Maybe it's just not as good as it could be. Maybe you just need to hear their story. Can I just, just tell me about yourself? Where have you been? What's life been for you? What have been the key moments in your life? I want to know you. I want to know more. I want to understand your internal world. Okay. And then final thing, Jesus. What part of yourself do you not want him to know? A beautiful thing. Why is confessing sins good? It's Adam in the garden. Will you talk to God as if talking to a friend face to face about the worst of yourself? And why is that good? The circle of no and mine. When you do that to God, you've talked to him about your worst thing. And in that, you will find that he might be like, this is not the best. (laughs) But in there, you'll find forgiveness and acceptance. And your platform will grow stronger. But you'll only get a stronger platform if you risk it. If you let him know you at your worst. You have to let him know you at your worst. By choice, talk about it. When you do it, when you're doing something. You know when like, you're in a room and you're doing something, you know you're like, you're doing it out of your own. It's about you. Maybe you're trying to self-preserve yourself, self-promote yourself. You know it really. Behind it, you can feel it. In your head, just go, God, can you see me right now? Oh, look at what I'm doing. I don't like this. And accept that he's with you in it. He's going to stick with you. But don't be like Adam. Reveal yourself to God. Cool. Great. Love. To know God and to be known by God and to know others. To make him yours, give yourself to him, and to make others yours as well. Play the journey, play by the rules, don't go too quick, don't go too slow, depending on who you're with. You know that, I can't give you a hard and fast rule, you've got to use love and wisdom to do that. But can you grow in love in all of your relationships, up, down, sideways, all the way around? Shall I say a prayer? Great. God, we thank you so much that you want to know us. We thank you so much that we can know you. God, right now, enable us to know you more. Enlighten the eyes of our heart with the spirit of wisdom, Lord, to know you. Give us greater understanding and empathy and love and compassion for others, Lord God. Help us to know them. Lord, help us to be people that are known. Help us to reveal the deepest parts of ourselves to you and to others where appropriate, Lord God. Father, I pray for every person here that you would build a foundation of mine, of security, that they can build deeper and stronger and greater relationships on top of with God and with those around them. In Jesus' name, amen.